Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Your truth. This house is about your truth. It's not about our opinion. It's about your truth. And the fact that you said your truth will make us free if we'll act on it and live by it. So I just want to give you thanks again this morning, Father, for the anointing of heaven that's upon David. I thank you that you take a coal from off the altar and even touch his lips this morning, even this instant, and help him to so follow your Holy Ghost that we find ourselves changed as we walk out of here today. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, please say amen. Amen. One, two. Bear me one moment. You might need to take this down. Um, I'm, I'm sure we know, firstly, good morning, where are my manners? Good morning. My mum's at the front, my mum's looking at me like, <laughs> I raised you better than that. Um, morning one and all, those that are old friends, old faces that we haven't seen for a while, um, and also some new ones. One of the greatest privileges of my life is to be the worship pastor in this church. Um, I'm not sure if we really understand the significance of what took place in the past 45 minutes in the sense of how we were able to, from the first note, even though the sound was a little bit giving us a few problems, to literally step into. Whatever the into is, whatever it is that you needed to step into, the door was opened instantly. And I would like to remind you and and maybe inform you that the reason why that is is because these wonderful people who I, as I said, have the privilege to lead and to pastor, live lives of sacrifice. Some of them worship through great difficulty. Some of them worship through great confusion. Some of them worship through chaos. You don't see that at 11.30 when they start to sing. But you can feel it. You can feel that something has been laid down that we may pick something up. And a special moment happened. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but I did. Um, Things like this catch my attention. When we were singing... um, the song that has teached me. What was the first bit? In the quiet. Okay. Did anyone see this fall? So we were saying in the quiet. Right. A song that's about intimate and literally just started to fall. It's like, it's so beautiful. Because if there's one thing I've learned about the quiet, we're going to talk a little bit about the quiet today. 
it's that there are those things that begin to fall. Primarily his presence, blessings, wisdom, understanding, answers to questions, maybe even new questions. And it's that Matthew 27 experience that when, you know, Calvary happened and he offered up his spirit and he died, the Bible says the veil was torn in two, top to bottom. And as the little ticker tape just began to flicker down, just reminded me that in that quiet, that's what he does. Let me just come close. Not because I wasn't close, but because of your sacrifice, I can come closer. And never underestimate, this is not even my sermon, but the worship was too sweet. Never underestimate the value of worship on this side of the grave. Because on that side, we have no choice. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But on this side, we have a choice. You could stay silent with everything that's going on. So the value of the song of the redeemed, when his child opens up his or her mouth and says, Jesus, I need you. I'm going to find you. And for that split second, turns off everything else. It was so valuable that it cost a man his life. Your song cost a man his life. So never, ever stay silent. And I would to God that the world understands the value of that one song. As soon as you open up your mouth, you remember Jesus had to die for that moment to occur. It's beautiful. Um, thanks, Antonio, for the worship. I said to Deji at one point, I said, I don't know if I'm actually going to preach. Honestly, I was at one point I was like, we could just continue doing science, not preaching. Not everyone needs to hear me. <laughs> um, I want to do things a little bit different in the sense that I want to start with um, there's a song that I wrote in February, when did the pandemic start? March 2020. I wrote this song in February 2020, okay? Um, I, wrote it with a friend. I wrote it initially, and then a friend of mine worked on it. And it's never been recorded properly. It's never been, um, I don't think it's ever been done. Uh, yeah, it definitely hasn't been done here. Um, and I'm going to play you a recording from a Zoom call, because obviously that's all we had at the time a Zoom call that him and I had where he was singing the song um, because it will lead us into what I'm about to speak about. Um, I'm also, I've asked Sean to, to put the lyrics up. Um, have you got the first verse? Can you just pop that up just before we start playing? This is the first thing I heard. The first line I heard was, come and dine with me. Let us sit and scope the plans you have in store for me. Jesus, take your time. Those were the lyrics that I heard in my spirit. And all of a sudden, it took me about two days to finish the whole song. And there's been a few tweaks since. But I want you to really listen in. You may want to close your eyes. You may want to read along. You, know, you may want to do whichever way you want to access and really receive from the song. Um, 
hopefully when I get my act together, we'll start doing it in church. Um, but yeah, Jean, if you can just play, and then we'll go into the sermon. Let it be what you have in store for me. Jesus, take your time. Come and dwell with me. Come and shape my heart into a home fit for a king. Jesus, stay a while. Let the world will see and know that we are one. Mm -hmm. Come and hold my hand. This valley won't be walked unless you're here with me. Jesus, be my guide. Come and shine the light. Let the darkness know the sun is here and won't be dim. If ever now's the time, let the world see and know that we are one. To live with you, to be. One thing I desire, Lord, set my heart on fire as you refine and redesign, draw others to the flame, call hearts to know your grace. I will not exchange my gold for treasures of this world. And storms will may rise, I fix my eyes on one who's worth it all. Oh, to live with you. To be with you is one thing I desire. Set my heart on fire as you refine, Lord, and redesign, draw this to the flame. For hearts to know your grace. Come and dance with me. Let us show the world the unity that leads to peace. Jesus still the stone. <laughs> Sorry. Father, we give you praise, glory. We honor you. We thank you <clears throat> that we sing and worship in response to the song you sing over us. It's a song of invitation to come and dine with you, to come and hold your hand, to come and dance with you. The valley won't be walked unless you're here with us. And so you promise to be with us forever and evermore. And even today, this Sunday morning, 
transport us beyond the physical. Let us engage with you on a spiritual level. And that, that which is of this earth may be blessed as a result. Father, the words that are about to be spoken, may they be heavily seasoned with your grace and your power to transform my life and the life of all those who hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I didn't know within six weeks of writing that song that we were going to be in a period of isolation where the church would be forced to strip itself of all its pretensions and all its performance-based realities, all this stuff, and finally be alone with Jesus. As was always the plan, but in 2020 odd years of existence, we had somehow navigated into these rituals and traditions and religiosity and Christianese speakings which had drawn us away from the fire of intimacy. Not everyone, but it's no surprise that as we have drawn further away from that fire of communion and and unity with Christ that the disciples would have enjoyed and that is promised to us, that our authority has also dimmed. And so we are no longer the voice that they consult on matters. They'd rather vote on things and talk things through in the media as opposed to consulting the people of God. However, there is a time coming, I believe it is almost, it is actually here now, we're seeing the seed in seed form. As the scripture says, where the mountain of the Lord will be exalted above all the others, where they shall fear him because of his goodness. Imagine that, that the tale of his goodness is so incredible that it's invoked the fear of the Lord. It's coming. But we're here in seed time. And sometimes it's very easy for us to put some of these things into the future and say, maybe our kids, maybe our kids' kids. Why not now? Why not there be a people group now who can tap into the reality of what is promised in Scripture that the mountain of the Lord will be exalted above all the others? Why not now? My title today is The Staging Posts of Intimacy. The staging posts of intimacy. A staging post, think back to the Wild Wild West um, in America, they would have, and you see even now some of these small towns that are up on the Highway 45 or Route 50, whatever, there'd be staging posts where on a long journey they would stop to water or they'll stop for supplies, stop for gas, whatever, as, as time has evolved. And there's a scripture which I read. For the, well, I'd read it before, but the first time it really came to my mind was 2012. John 17 is one of my, one of my key scriptures. John 17:22 is my favorite scripture in the Bible. Um, and one day, 2012, I was at my house in Birmingham, and the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to read John 17. My response in my youthful arrogance was, why? I've already read that. I know what it says. Read it again. <laughs> so I read it. And I didn't get past verse 3, and that's the verse that we're going to look at today. We're going to use that as our foundation, and we're going to spin off different directions and then come back to it near the end. John 17, 
three, if we can get that up for the people. This is Jesus praying. Um, it's the night before, the night that he is arrested. So this is what I now call the Lord's Prayer. This is the one, you know, full kind of documented prayer of Christ from almost start to finish. You, you, the only thing that's missing is the amen, <laughs> you know. Um, and it says here, this is it. And this is what really struck me when I read it. This is in the Amplified as ever. And this is eternal life. It means to know, and I want you to um, take note of these four categories it gives. Perceive, recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you. The only true and real God, and likewise to know him, Jesus, as Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you have sent. Okay? And this is eternal life. What really struck me was the colon. Okay? I believe grammar is used in the Bible sometimes to great effect. The colon there implies to me that there is no now debate about what is eternal life. This is eternal life. Jesus is about to define it for us. Any other definition is substandard. This is eternal life. Bam. To know. And we have four staging posts. Perception, recognition, acquaintance, understanding. I remember reading it 10 years ago, and I said, that would be a great sermon. And in my head, I've had it as a great sermon for years. Never wrote it until about 10 weeks ago. I've referenced it in different times when I've mentioned this verse. And I was sitting in church about 10 weeks ago. I think it was when Elder Deji was teaching. And the Lord said to me, 17.3, that's your next message to the church. I was like, oh, finally, I can write this sermon. <laughs> and he gave me four scenarios, stories to use as our, to understand what this kind of refers to. But the first thing that he mentioned to me um, is that if you look at it, it's, you know, it says to know the one true, the only true and real God, and to know him, Jesus, as the Christ whom you have sent. Not just to know Jesus in any way, but to know him as the Christ who was sent by the Father. So there's two things here. There's the knowledge of the Father and there's knowledge of Christ who is sent by the Father. What the Lord began to show me was that you can't separate the knowledge of Jesus from the knowledge of the Father. Now, most of you have nodded your head when I said that because we know that. But it's for us to continuously, and this is something I've, I do quite regularly and I, I urge you to, is to look at your revelation of Christ and the Father and just assess how you think about him and think about the Father, your perception of the Father, your ideas of the Father. Check that they align. This was one of the fundamental truths of what happened to me December 23rd, 2017. Okay, when I had my you know, rebirth, one of the, that's the only phrase I kind of really settled on. And what I realized is that an incorrect understanding of one, whether it be the Father or Christ, will offset and disturb your understanding of the other. It need only be small. But even in a small measure, it can absolutely devastate your faith if left unchecked. Just a little nugget, a little small fox that spoils the vine. I shared an analogy, I was at a 
I was preaching at a church recently, my friend's church, and I shared about, you know, driving down the motorway from Birmingham. As I'm driving, if I was to just go just half half a centimeter to the right, what would happen? Where would I end up? Come on, tell me, where would I end up? With Jesus, thank you. <laughs> okay. I'd end up hitting the barrier, okay? Would I hit it immediately? No. But over time, that just half a centimeter off straight, bam. That's all it takes. And actually, as I've assessed my life over the past four or five years, I've realized that, unfortunately, I picked up in church, slight, just half a centimeter off. Some of the things were way off. But the ideas that I may have held about Christ or about the Father, just a little bit off. And as a result, bam, I kept crashing into the barrier. Kept crashing into the barrier. So it's important that we take the time in our lives to make sure we just, that they're, all in, they're always in alignment. Okay, we don't, want, we don't need to be crashing. And maybe we've got into a habit of crashing. We call it the ups and downs. But in Psalms 1, it says that everything, your leaf will not wither, everything you do prospers. So there should really be no downs. We should be going from glory to glory. That's a whole other Psalms 1 sermon. But Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, we don't need to turn there, but we, it talks about Christ being the perfect imprint of the Father. Okay, so what you see in Jesus, this is why Jesus had the boldness to say um, when challenged or, or you know, it was requested of him by his disciples, show us the Father. You know, they probably said it multiple times. But, you know, he talks about when you, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. If you've heard me speak, you've heard the Father speak. If you've seen me do anything, you've seen the Father do something. We are one, okay? You can't separate the two. So he's perfect theology, as Bill Johnson puts it. Um, and therefore, it's unfair for us to draw any revelation of the Father that is incoherent with Jesus, and this is what the Lord showed me. If we do, we contradict or we go against what John 17.3 says. Now, John 17.3 says that this knowledge of the Father and Christ, as they are aligned, brings eternal life. So if we don't have that alignment, we invite a, what this is how the Holy Spirit put it, an, a spiritual paralysis, which then leads to death. And the enemy has done his best to separate our revelations that we have good cop, bad cop. We have one eternally good, one's the judge who's about to throw us into the fire, even if we had a bad thought on our way to church. We have all these, um, these incorrect assumptions and understandings because if he can get that, then he can bring, it invites a spiritual paralysis. It could be just an area of your life. You're flying in your faith when you're healing the sick. But let's talk about finances. Paralysis. Okay? So again, this is why it's important for us to make sure that we, uh, that we have a correct understanding that they match up between Father and the Son. St. Gregory of Nyssa, Nyssa, he said this, he said, Christ is the artist 
tenderly wiping away all the grime of sin that disfigures the human face and restoring God's image to its full beauty. He wipes away the grime of sin and restores to its full beauty the image of God. Not only us as a reflection, as as made in the image of God, but as you see yourself being perfected, you then realize how perfect he is, seeing that I was made in his image. So going back to John 17, 3, the first stage in post is this perceive word, okay? Perceive, perception. The Lord said to me, he said, um, he referenced uh, John 1, 29. So we're just going to quickly go there. John 1, 29. So this is, this is John. Uh, we know John the Baptist. And it says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This first stage in post, this, um, and we all, we all go through these in our lives. We'll be at different spaces at different times. This perception is to see him, not necessarily from afar, and to accurately describe his action, his doing. What does he do? He's a provider. He takes away the sin of the world. He's savior. It's interesting because later on in the, in the, um, in the chapter, I think it's verses 35 to 37, John says the same thing again. Can we go to 35? And he looked at Jesus. Yeah, sorry, yeah. So 35 says, uh, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, 36. And he looked at Jesus as he walked along and he said, look, there is the Lamb of God. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this and they followed him, him being Christ. So this staging post of intimacy, this first one, this perception is to see him to realize what he is capable of and that's enough to induce following we call him savior that's enough for me to want to follow provider that's enough for me to want to follow i can imagine the disciples once they and not just the disciples of 12 but you know the bigger group there's i don't know 70 i think there were um and everyone that used to flock around him, they might have heard rumors of him as a Messiah. What, how do you know? What's the evidence you have for him being the Messiah? I guarantee you most of the things they spoke about were the things he did. Oh, he healed the sick. He did. It's the, I don't want to call it the sensational side of, of Christianity, but it's, it's the signs and wonders. It's the things that if I, you know, you say it to someone at work, and they're like, oh, what? He did what? What happened at church? Okay. They may not be able to understand why we were silent for five minutes, waiting on the Lord. But you tell them about a leg growing, and it can induce following. Again, it's not a bad thing. It's just the first stage in post. Okay? The question is, what action do we need to know him by in different areas of your life? What action do you need to know him by? Think about, you know, you believe in God for a financial breakthrough. And then you, as, you know, your, your 
pursuing him, as you're praying, as whatever, you become to know him as provider. He comes through for you. You now have a testimony where you know him as provider. No one will be able to dissuade you because you have evidence of him as provider. Let me take a step back. That word to know is that word we've always mentioned, uh, genosco, uh, which in layman's term means to have experience of having lived life with. Okay? So this whole process of knowing the Father and knowing Christ is to have experience, is to have knowledge through experience. Okay? Not head knowledge. Knowledge through experience. So I, I experienced him coming through for me when I asked him for that, that breakthrough. I needed some, you know, my bills to get paid or lost my job or whatever. He's now a provider. I know that. You can't dissuade me. I'm here. And this induces a level of following, a level of commitment, a level of discomfort to leave behind whatever I've left behind. It could be a, a, a thought process that I've left behind. It could be family that I've left behind. It could be a situation, a job, whatever the case may be. There is an element of discomfort which is induced by this idea of following Christ. Okay? Let's go to the second staging post. It says, perceive and it says recognize. Okay? This is the one that really challenged me because of a situation in my life at the moment that I'm working through with the Father. Let's go to Matthew 16, 13 to 18. So remember, we've got that first and post perception. I, I know him by his actions, and that induces me following him. This second stage is here, this recognizing. This is what the Holy Spirit said. He said, go to this story. Now, when Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, CP, he asked his disciples, who do men say, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Note, these are people who could only perceive him. Okay. There was a sense of distance there. Then he said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus answered him, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood, men have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. We'll stop there. So now, we recognize him. We knew him by his actions. He's a provider. He's a healer. Now we recognize him as the son of God, as Christ, son of the living God. So now we begin to engage with his identity more so than his activity. It's not just what he can do for us. It's who he is as our Christ, son of the living God. And so this place of recognition is a powerful place. And as as um, Jesus said to, to Peter, it's not revealed to you by anyone else but the Father. Only the Father, and I, I love this in my times of prayer, when I, I always ask the Holy Spirit, I say, Holy Spirit, show me Christ in a different way. And there'll be like a picture, a scripture, 
an idea, a thought that drops into my spirit and I chase it for years. I can chase an idea for years. And all of a sudden, this revelation of Christ, which is bigger than anything he has done. I don't need him to do something to prove that he is the son of God. I now know that he is the son of God. And if he never did anything else, I know him to be the son of God. I'm at that place of recognition. Verse 21, same uh, chapter. So Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time forth, Jesus began clearly to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the high priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised from death. Um, I didn't read the scripture, but it does talk about, it goes on to talk about how Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. Okay, and the gates of hell shall not be able to prevail against it this rock of revelation, the fact that he is the son of God, the son of the living God, Christ, son of the living God, that's the foundation upon which the church has been built. Okay? And then it says, at that time, so once that had now been revealed, now Jesus began to explain that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must suffer, that he must die, and on the third day be raised from the death. It's interesting that that he didn't share it before that point. When it was just about the miracles, when it was just about the things he could do, that wasn't enough foundation. That wasn't enough concrete to now begin to share some of the difficult things he had to speak about. Imagine you spent, I don't know, two and a half years, three years, whatever, with Christ, and you've seen all these wonderful things. You have this you know, amazing moment where Peter on behalf of all of us, says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. We're all patting him on the back. Well done, Peter. Extra food for us tonight. You know, um, and all these, you know, these incredible conversations we've had. And then Jesus says, guys, I need to set my face towards Jerusalem. This is what's about to happen. I believe the scripture goes on to say that Peter took him to one side and was like, we're not really comfortable with these kind of conversations. <laughs> you know, well, God forbid, Lord, this must never happen to you. In my, you know, 2022, it's, hey, Rabbi, this isn't adding up. Literally, I've just called you. I've just affirmed you. I've just recognized you. And now you're giving us some information which is a little bit difficult to digest. It's only when you have a clear revelation of who he is that the strange and uncomfortable things that he sometimes speaks of and acts upon can be accurately set into context. It's only when you know that he's the son of God that Calvary makes sense. Before that point, before the revelation had been revealed to them, it wouldn't have been put into context. So there was no, uh, you think about a ring, a diamond ring, I used to work in fine jewelry. And a lot of the work around making a diamond sparkle is the setting. It's not just the diamond itself, it's the setting. If they raise it a certain way so that the light can catch it, 
if they take some of the shoulders off it so the light can catch it. It's so to make the most sparkle. So Calvary had to be set into the context of this revelation of him as Christ, son of the living God. But as we can tell from the narrative, Peter didn't catch it. He spoke it, but maybe it didn't sink. I reckon one person did. Which disciple do you reckon caught the revelation of him as son of God? John. How do I know? Because when everything went crazy, when the um, Pharisees and their army showed up, and Jesus, remember, they had seen Jesus be caught on a mountaintop, and they were trying to push him over, and he slipped through. <laughs> okay? They would seen him escape death. And maybe in their you know, disciple-type arrogance, nobody had that, you know, I follow Jesus. When the army came up, I'm sure some of them, you know, Matthew turned to, you know, Nathaniel was like, we got this one. Yeah. It's just like the other time. And then Jesus says, if I wanted to, I could cool down. So then the question is, so why do you not want to? And because the revelation hadn't maybe sunk in yet, when Matthew and, and the others, when they hear him say that, and when they see that he's taken into custody and he's taken away like a common thief, a common criminal, they run. But somehow John sticks around. Maybe I submit to you guys that John had in his head just, even as everything's dark and it doesn't make sense and it's uncomfortable, it's, it's, I don't understand why he hasn't spoken yet. Why has he not done something yet? Why has he not pulled me out yet? Why? Why did it happen like this? How so? Why didn't you heal like you did the th a thousand other times? I prayed. I did everything that you told me to do. You told me to pray for the sick. You told me heal the sick. And he's dead. Why? Why did it not come the way that you said it was going to come. And there's that flicker of revelation. You are the Christ. Son of the living God. Could it be that John was able to withstand the gruesome terror and reality of Calvary because he remembered the identity of the Son above all else? The Lord said this to me. Some of us have been standing at Calvary watching dreams die because we've forgotten he's the son. That's for us. Some of us have been standing there watching the church number get smaller and smaller, the worship team get smaller and smaller. And just three years ago, we had a board talking about the building we wanted to buy and what happened to the studio? What happened to the youth team? What happened to the crash? What happened to the worship team? What happened to my favorite worship leader? What happened to my favorite song? Uh, the dream's dying. We're, we're seeing this Calvary take place. And we forget that he is Christ, son of living God. He said to me over the past two years, He's not allowed me, just in the same way, kind of, I forgot about this until today. As I was sitting in the worship and I was watching three individuals lead one of the best worship services I've been in in months. 
just three. And he said to me, he said, how many times when I've been praying with the, for the worship team or with the worship team, he said to me, never, ever think about how small they are. The amount of times people say to me, oh, how's the worship team going? Yeah, how's you guys going? And he always asks me about the number. And I'm very honest. We've lost X amount. We're now at this side size. And I'd also tell them, and we're having some of the best worship services we've ever had. What happened? Now, I know what's happened behind the scenes. I know the prayer that's gone in. I know the level of community that we've tried to foster. I know how we've tried to stay connected. I know what's been happening on Monday nights when people have been sacrificing, Sarah, Nate, others, Antonio. I know what's been happening. So I get why Sunday happens. And it'd be very easy to mourn what we used to have. But if you know that he is the son of God, every Calvary has to lead to a garden. Come on. There's always a garden. There's always a garden. So for all of us in this church, not just the leaders, every single one of us, we must look beyond where the dream looked like it was dying. Stick it out. Stay with us. Walk with us. Embrace us. Comfort us. Be there for your brother. Be there for your sister when they're low in faith. When they're like, I don't know if I can keep Jonathan. You know, like Jonathan. Jonathan does every job in the building. He's got the keys. He's got sound. He's doing this. Half the stuff he probably doesn't know what he's doing. But hey, he's here and he's doing it. And there could be a moment where he turns and says, I am sick and tired of being tired at four o'clock every Sunday from doing three or four different major jobs which all need their own department. But don't mourn. Don't stay at Calvary. For every Calvary, there's an empty tomb. For every Calvary, there is an empty tomb. And it may just be three nights away. Just around the corner, in the space of a weekend. We go from Calvary to the single greatest moment in human history that one who was dead is now alive. One who was dead is now alive. This place of recognition is where you knew him as a shepherd when you perceived him and what he could do but you now know him as love. What does that mean? It's whether you come through for me or not, you're good. And this is what he's been challenging me with. This is the place I've been at in a particular area of my life. I shared it two weeks ago. I lost a friend of mine. And he said to me, he said, Dave, <laughs> he said, you've been walking through the valley of the shadow of death and you've not looked up. I'm here, but you've not looked at me. You haven't, you haven't, as you've walked through that, you've got these questions because you're like, why? I prayed, we prayed. There was, I tuned into, uh, you know, when my friend was in hospital. I was in hospital for about four or five days, and his church hosted a prayer call on Zoom. I tuned in, and if I, I was there for about 10 seconds, and I was like, Poof. I was like, yo, that, 
I think there's going to be like 10, 15 different people jumping out of that hospital. <laughs> just so much prayer, 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 prayer. Just going, going. And then a day and a half later, he's gone. Why? How so? But you said, those are the questions that I had, even though if I wasn't even asking them. My actions revealed to me that inside my heart, that's what I was asking. I was at Calvary forgetting there was a tomb, an empty tomb. And so when I went on stage once and I was worshipping and we were singing a song about heaven, I heard my friend's voice in my ear. He said, Dave, I'm here. If you was in this usual way, he was like, dude, I'm here. And bruv, it's amazing. <laughs> he called everything amazing. He said, bruv, it is amazing. And that brought comfort. Because for the first time since he had passed, I was in the shadow, valley of the shadow of death. I'm not denying I was there. But I was looking up. Looking beyond. His rod and thy staff comfort me. So you knew him as a shepherd and now you know him as love. And this is able to keep you through those uncomfortable moments. Those really difficult moments where you're like, I don't know what you're doing right now. Got questions. And they may never be answered. He doesn't owe me an answer. If I'll be real. He doesn't owe me an answer. I owe, I owe him my life. That's the only owing that we have here. I owe him my life. It doesn't owe me an answer. It doesn't owe me that everything's going to be a, a, a thread that's going to go from A to B to C to D. Even if it doesn't, if it never makes sense for the rest of my life, I owe him my life. And I owe him my worship. The third stage in post. Become acquainted with Matthew 26, verse 69. I'm going to go all the way to 73. So it says here, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and one maid came up to him and said, you were also with Jesus, the Galilean. Verse 70. But he denied it falsely before them all, saying, I don't know what you mean. 71. And when he'd gone out to the porch, another maid saw him. And she said to the bystanders, this fellow was with Jesus, the Nazarene. Uh, and he, again, he denied him and disowned him with an oath, saying, I do not know him. The man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, You certainly are one of them too. Why? For even your accent betrays you. What's the next verse? 74, sorry. Then Peter began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not even know the man. And at that moment, the rooster crowed. Interesting. So we have this place of perception. We know him by his actions. This place of recognition, okay, where we begin to, uh, you know, reveal himself. He reveals himself and we see his identity. He is Christ, the son of the living God. The Holy Spirit said this next space to be acquainted with. That's the fourth one. With the third one, remember? Perceive, recognize, to be acquainted with. He called this the hurdle of association. hurdle of association. Peter fell 
he failed at the hurdle of association. Everything was fine when Jesus was around and they could point the finger at him. But the moment the finger's on me, but what I love about this, verse 73, where it says, even your accent gives you away. The question is, are you prepared to be known as one who speaks like Christ? Are you prepared to be known as one who acts like Christ? Who thinks like Christ does? When everyone else is stressing that work, and I've said this many times since the pandemic, everyone's stressing that work, what's going to happen? Chaos, chaos. The Tory party, Labour party, all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. party gate, Brexit, petrol prices, electric cars, whatever. Debating, debating, debating. They're, they're worried. And you're the one silent in the corner because the peace that passes all understanding guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Are you prepared to own that? To be associated with the one who has been mocked and dragged through the streets, through our media, through our government, through our laws, through our society. The very name of Christ has now become throwaway to many. Are you prepared to be the one who associates himself with the one who's been mocked. Years ago, I think it was uh, 2013, I was still in Birmingham at the time before I moved back. This is when the Lord, I'd just started like, you know, learning how to heal the sick and we were having a great time. But it was all in the house of God. It's all in safe spaces. It's in church. In church, you can say, you know, raise your hand if you need healing. And most, people, most churches are cool with that. I sat on the, um, I was on the train at Birmingham New Street Station and getting ready for it to leave, I was going to Smethwick. I'll never forget this. And I sat there, and an old lady came on, and she sat two chairs away. And the Lord said, are you prepared to be famous? I said, what? What do you mean? Are you prepared to be famous? I said, um, I don't know. What do you mean? He said, are you prepared that a lady would come on the train and say, you're the one who... I saw in the news healing the sick. You know what I said? I said, yeah. Thank God he disagreed with me. <laughs> All now I'm not famous, and I know why, because I wasn't ready. But what he was showing me, he was like, that there was a level, um, what's the word, notoriety? That word. Um, some words I just struggle with anyway. Um, there's a level of, of kind of fascination that comes when you're different. Not everyone who came to hear Jesus speak came because they wanted to hear him speak. They wanted to challenge it. Are you prepared for someone, I always use work, because work is where most of our social life occurs, really. You think about it, we spend the amount, the amount of hours we spend there. Good God. <laughs> So you're at work, someone comes up, hey, I heard you speaking about um, like Sunday in church. You went to church at the weekend. Yeah, 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 no, my church is in Clapham. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I wasn't answering because of that. So what's your views on dot, dot, dot? <laughs> you're a Christian, so you must be like this. And some of it is erroneous. Sometimes they misportray or they, they misinterpret our views on things or whatever. Hey, tell me what you think about. Are you prepared to be the parent that pulls your child out of certain classes at school because you're not 
I'm not okay with what they're teaching. It's not for me, not for my child. And having to sit there with an eight-year-old and say, I'm sorry, I can't let you go in that class. But all my friends are there. I know, but we can't. As for me in this house, this is how we, this is what we think about this. Because it's going to happen. Guarantee you. It's happening already. Are you prepared to be associated with Christ? To be acquainted with because of the way you speak, the way you act, the way you think? Or are you going to continue to hide your light? Lest you be discovered. I don't know what Peter thought would happen to him. Maybe he thought he was going to be arrested. Maybe he thought he was going to be dragged before the Sanhedrin and and Caiaphas and and all his goons. (laughs) Maybe he thought he was going to end up in, in in a similar predicament. But for some reason, the revelation that he himself had uttered had died out. And he wasn't prepared to get over the hurdle of association. Where those outside the faith look at you and go, you're one of them, aren't you? John 15, verse 20. John 15, 20. It's interesting because all this happened on the night that Jesus got arrested. Literally in the days before is when John 15 (laughs) was shared. And this is what was shared to Peter. Remember that I told you a servant is not greater than his master, is not superior to him. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word and obeyed my teachings, they will also keep and obey yours. It's not all doom and gloom. God, you know, Jesus does go on to say about, you know, he's protecting us. And even when he prays in John 17, talks about they, you know, the world is going to attack them because they attack me, because they associate with me, because of my name, because they bet. I think it might be the verse, next verse, actually, verse 21. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. He said they would, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He goes on later to pray this. He said, but they will do all this to you. They will inflict all this suffering to you, on you, because of your bearing my name. You carry my name, they will inflict suffering on you. It's a guarantee. Signed, sealed, delivered. It's yours going to resist this is Jesus speaking this isn't you know this isn't the red letters come on so we know this is it it will happen at some point it may look different my suffering might be different to yours some might be public some might be private some might be in your family some might be on the, in the sun newspaper I don't know you might see Margaret praying doing a prayer walk through her area she had some sort of infamy and they're saying have you seen the lady who walks around praying and as she prays light follows her I say these things not in jest because I, I believe actually as the darkness grows thicker there's going to be more signs of like supernatural lights that will follow us leading up to when the two witnesses stand up and speak and all that stuff starts happening anyway so are you prepared to be associated with him guys we have to say yes and it's a tough one it's not always easy and it, it's in every area of our life this is the third stage in post of intimacy you get to the point where now because you speak like him because you act like him you've been around him for so long 
conversing about, you know, finances, work, relationships, that you now start to speak like him, and that makes you different. And it attracts attention, but not always the attention that we want. But then we have the fourth stage in post. So we've gone from perception to recognition to this hurdle of association to be acquainted with. And the fourth one is understand. And it's on offer to every single one of us. This is what the Lord said. Have you ever considered the significance of the fact that the last pen to write scripture was held in the hands of the one whom Jesus loved and who knew it. The one whose entire existence was formed around the revelation of God's love. I'm talking about John. If we are to safely navigate the times ahead, this must be our truth. There is no greater affirmation, no greater foundation, and no greater revelation than that of the love of God. It safely guides you from perception to understanding via the moment of recognition and realization and over the hurdle of association. I'm going to say that again. This revelation of the love of God, it navigates you, it helps you navigate from perception to understanding. It helps you get through Christ, Son of the living God, that moment of realization, which sometimes comes before something which is really awkward and uncomfortable. It helps you navigate past Calvary because you know there must be. I remember when my dad started saying it to the worship team, it's all good. Romans 8, 38. 38 or 28? 28, well done, Dad. Um, you know, all things work together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. And it began to seep into the culture of our team. It's all good. 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 So when the pandemic hits and when our numbers drop, it's all good. When you don't see your favorite worship leader anymore, it's all good. When you may have heard things that people may have said about this church, be it positive or negative, it's all good. If there was ever to be a story come out, it's all good. It has to be. His mortgage, his name to his word. The two cannot be separated. So it has to be all good. There is no other choice. There is no other outcome. It is all good. That's what I learned. From one man's revelation. So as I'm praying and I'm worrying, I'm struggling with, I remember, <laughs> I think two months after I took the role, Lucy left. Lucy. And I, but I knew it was right. I mean, we had spoken and I knew it was the right time. And I said, like, Lord, <laughs> well, I mean, could it at least give me Lucy still, you know? But that's because I was focusing on people and not the person. If you're going to lead a team, you're going to lead anything, you're going to do anything for Christ, it's not people that should dictate your perception and your understanding of a particular thing. It's one person, Christ, Son of the living God. And when that becomes alive inside of you, you then get to the hell of association where even now people say to me, yeah, but don't you think that if so-and-so, I'm with him. He says it's okay, so it's okay. 
I'm with him. Would I love to have drums? I will. And we will have drums. There will be, there is a drummer out there somewhere. I pray for them so many times. <laughs> They're out there, trust me. I would love to do the full thing again. We will get there. On the other side of Calvary, there's an empty tomb. And when we get there, we will rejoice. So much so, we'll forget the Calvary. This will become a mere footnote in our story when everything blossoms again. So kudos to you guys who've stuck it out in the winter months. That wasn't in my note. But I believe that the Lord wants to say kudos to you guys who've stuck it out in the winter months. Because you had every reason to throw in the towel. I don't believe in the vision anymore. The vision must be maybe a bit off. Because we ain't growing. We heard about this 300. We heard about 500. We heard about buildings and stuff. And we've gone into another school. And it'd be easy for you to find reason in the natural to tap out. But you didn't. You still turned up. Like Thomas. Even though you were disillusioned disappointed and disaffected you still showed up to church the next week and when you show up to church the next week Christ comes and says for you Thomas I'm here touch me so we get to this place of understanding once you reach the place of understanding in the words of Solomon you have found wisdom to be the principal thing and you may now proceed to build and establish your house At the place of understanding, where chaos gives way to clarity, these are the words you are greeted with. Revelation 4.1. Let's get it out. Revelation 4.1. So, at the place of understanding, where chaos gives way to clarity, these are the words you are greeted with. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard addressing me, like the calling of a war trumpet, said, come up here, and I will show you what must, must take place in the future. When you reach the place of understanding, where chaos gives way to clarity, the words that you are greeted with is come up higher. And what happens is, when you come up higher, it says there, He says, come up here and I will show you things to do in the future. So what happened? He went up higher and he began to transcend time. If you transcend time and you live above time, what's that? What do we call that? Eternal life. Eternal life is given to those and it's experienced by those who through this process of navigating through the waves and again through the staging process of intimacy, land in a place of understanding are called up higher and even the very natural things of the world no longer tamper with their understanding you can't define my faith in him as a healer by time because in that area of my walk I've gone from perception to recognition to being acquainted with I boldly say yeah I heal the sick I tell them at work hey you know stay back I've got a cold I'm saying it's probably, it, to be honest, it will leave him. If, anyway. I tell them all the time. I said, if I'm here, you're good. And then I've got to this place of understanding in that area. Not every area. 
trust me, not every area. <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but in that area, and it transcends time. Worship is another area. Someone said to me, they were like, um, they prophesied, they're like, the Lord's going to take you supersonic. It's like, what? <laughs> it was two days before Chosen. We were at Chosen. Um, I think it was the year that um, Cindy Jacobs was there. And someone gave me a word. They said, the Lord's going to take you supersonic. Okay. So I'm praying. I said, Lord, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? And he said, supersonic is above sound. And he said, if you live above sound, you will learn, whatever you live above, you learn to control. So now I got excited. <laughs> okay, God's going to take me supersonic. And I remember, I think it was the Wednesday or Thursday night, we were playing. I remember where I was in the barn. And we started, I think Dad was there in the band, Tanya was there. And we get into this moment of worship. I call it a swell. And we're just seeking after God. And I hear something. Like a rushing wind. My ear. What is that? It's annoying me. I'm, I'm like, I thought it was like, you know, one of those flies, you know, chosen flies. You know. So I'm like, what is it? But I keep hearing this something. Then it becomes weighty. You probably didn't see it because I was actually behind the speaker. But at one point, I was playing the keyboard. My hands were like this. And my body was like that. Such was the, it's like, like it was continuous. I had no clue what was going on. Like, what's happening? I was like, and I just, and all I heard was keep playing, keep playing. I remember looking at my dad, my dad was like, you okay? And I was like, I'm going. And it was like, it was hurting, but it wasn't hurting. It was just like, what is this? And then, boom, it stopped. So that's supersonic. To go supersonic, you've got to travel at some sort of speed. And the Lord allowed me in my natural hearing to hear what my spirit was doing as it was traveling. I think two weeks later, because I now realize what had happened, I'm now praying into it and I'm thanking God. He took me supersonic. <laughs> whatever that means. Whatever happens when I'm playing. Cool. We're at Davis tent. And there's a whole situation that happened that was really upsetting me. But I, I went there and I'm playing. And in the middle of um, a song, Lucy you know, turns to me and I'm, I start to solo. And again, I hear it. But this time I can stand in it. So I shut my eyes and I just began to play what I could hear. And after a while, it got so heavy, I ended up on my knees, but I still was playing. And I remember I had my ears, my ears and my monitors and all my wires and stuff. And I'm on my knees playing my keyboard, still trying to solo whilst this whole encounter is happening. And when it finished, I took my hand off the keyboard and I threw my ears out and I laid out on the floor. And at that moment, people around the tent began to fall to their knees. 
because something had been released from a place of understanding which carried an authority. I didn't need to speak to the 10 people and say, what's on your heart? What would you like me to pray for? That's good. That's, I'm not saying that's, that, that has a, you know, that's not good, but whatever was happening on the stage transcended time and space because it was now coming from a place of eternal life. Could I experience the Father and the Son and I knew him to be true. It'd be very easy to hear a sermon like this and walk away and feel slightly down. Maybe even condemned. That's not the point. That's not what we do here. Don't let the enemy do that. Because you can walk away and go, oh, I'm still at perception. You know, you, you think about a particular area of your life that you've been praying for, you're like, oh, it's that association thing. You know, I feel like Peter, you know, regretting and cursing himself and swearing and whatnot. But the reason why he wants us to share this is because it's possible. In every area of your life, you can go from perception to understanding. From, I think that's a cup on there, on the window, to realizing, no, I understand that's a cup. There's this inside of it. It's this temperature, it's for this person, that's understanding. And I'm more intimately acquainted with that cup at the place of understanding than perception. Doesn't deny that the cup is there. Jesus has been standing in front of us in every single area of our life saying, come up higher. Find more. Move from one stage to the next. Whichever stage you're at, move to the next one. Find me somehow so that you may move. And how I know this is because he woke me up this morning. I had a gig last night. I got in very late. And all week I'd felt like today I was just going to get up even earlier than maybe usual. Go down to my seat in the front room. My encounter seat. I don't know what you call it. Nate sat in it. Nate's had an encounter there as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty special. I remember that one. Um, and pray and just find him. Just wait on the Lord. It's something you've been talking to me about the past three days or so. Dave, son, I want you to learn how to wait on me. Okay? It's a new lesson. So I was going to do that. And I was really tired when I got in. So I didn't set an alarm. Bang, woke up. And I was like, oh. Went out, I went, got in, went to the bathroom, whatever. And he said to me, he says, son, don't go back to bed. I want to show you something. Oh, now I'm running down the stairs. So I ran down the stairs and I sat in this seat. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I had a glimpse of what Paul was feeling when he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Because I was like, Jesus, I wish you were here in person. I was like, I just want to talk to you like, like this. And he said, there's a measure of my presence where that occurs, where you will be talking to me face to face. I said, okay. He said, come, I want to show you something. And so I closed my eyes, and he showed me this Sunday service. And Jesus was walking in the aisles, in, in between the rows of chairs, 
And every so often, he would stop behind someone and he would tell me about some of the things he was talking to them about in the secret place. The one thing that was consistent in the whole scene was what I now know is the joy of intimacy. I can't begin to explain, it's actually, I will give, I'll try to explain it. The, the smile that he has at the thought of intimacy with the people in this church and the journey that you guys have journeyed with him over the past three years or so and the commitment, the loyalty, the, yes, it doesn't make sense, but I'm still here. Literally, it blinded me. Because every time he turned to me, there was a light that came from him. Because he would stand behind someone and go, oh, this one? And I was like, wow. Then he was standing by the next one. I wrote some of them down. And he began to just show me how I said to him earlier, I said, I'll ask him if he wants me to share. I was waiting for him to tell me. He would stand behind and say, hey, this is one of mine. This is what we've been, this is what's been. And maybe you don't even know that that's what's been happening. The pastor, he said, he stood behind pastor, and you know what he said? He said, this one has found a faith that impresses me. I was like, wow. He stood there. Right there, second seat. And he was excited. He said, he's found a faith that impresses me. Sarah, <laughs> he came with a bowl of incense. You know Revelation 5? And he put it in front of Sarah and he said, I have a bowl of intercession for her. And he said this, he said, I'm going to cause her to hear the prayers of intercession. And then hear melodies which will be more potent than the most fervent prayer. So when she began to play earlier, it's like, Lord, bring her back. Let her hear it. Deji, yes, you. <laughs> he said, we are proud to call you son. That was it. We are proud to call you son. Michael, he said, to both of you actually, he said, there's a promise that is binding you together and I'm keeping them together by the word of my power and the power of my word. All of these moments, people, story, an adventure, a place of understanding to reach, that you may be close to him. We're going to just sing a quick song just to seal it in intimacy.
like I said, guys, let us not be afraid to tap into the next. Whatever comes next, whatever you look at your life and say, okay, maybe this is where I'm at at the moment. This is where my finances, this is what I'm believing for. I'm yet to discover this about him. I don't think I'm at that place of understanding. Maybe you're at that Calvary. As I said that earlier, you realize, oh, yeah. That's it for me. There's a Calvary. There's a... Maybe you're at that place of Calvary where something has died and all you can think about is what died. And you're yet to be able to see the empty tomb on the other side. That's okay. It happens to the best of us. Many of us have stood there at Calvary and seen things die and not realized that actually there's something beyond Maybe John didn't actually know for sure. But you know what the best thing about the story is? Whether John knew or not, he still stood there. And when he heard that he was alive, he ran. to you Never let me go I lay it all down again To hear you say that I'm your friend You are my and no one else will do because nothing else can take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace oh God help me find
as it is in worship, so should it be in our lives. That we get so caught up that time doesn't even matter anymore. And you feel like you could just go on and on and on and never run out of things to say, of moments to experience. Why? Because you can go on and on and never run out. And this is eternal life, that you may know the Father and Him, Christ, who He has sent, to know a continual revelation that goes and it goes and it goes. Do you have something to share? Tommy, come and share. Just a couple of things. Um, you know, uh, when, when David was uh, speaking and he was talking about the areas, I just really felt like to say to people, and I've, I've felt it, I had to trust my gut, right, is that do not be discouraged by what you see. You know, it feels like in the natural that many areas in this church has been depleted, right? I'm going to give an example. You know, I oversee the children's ministry, but where's the kids? I had a team before the, this all happened. Now there's only two of us. And the, you know what? In the natural, there's that rea- reaction, you know, what do you do? But I really felt like the Lord speaking to me and say, you know what? He put me in that position and I'm to continue. He's going to bring the kids back. He's going to bring the team back. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that for me. What I'm saying is wherever you are in this church and whatever area you are over, don't get discouraged because you see empty chairs. This church is going for a new beginning. I feel like he's stripping it all back and he's starting all over again. I really believe, right, that what he's doing is as if he's given us a new church and a new ministry. And I know that sounds really weird what I'm trying to convey, but what I mean by that, it's like he's doing something. It's like he's stripping everything back, like what they were saying. He's starting all over again. And you know what? All the places here, he's going to bring them in. All the areas, it's going to happen. So I just want to encourage everyone, wherever you are, wherever God's called you to be, whatever, what area God has called you into, right? Don't stop and say, I'm no longer in that part just because I don't have the people around me. Be committed to the area. If you're in hospitality and you make the teas, make the teas. If you are the prayer team, be in the prayer. Whatever you was doing before the pandemic, be committed to do that. You know what? I just feel like God is testing our faithfulness. What are we going to do about it? Do we, need a, do we need loads of people here to worship God? It's not based on numbers. It's not based on um, the amount of people. It's based on, are you going to put your eyes on Jesus and just worship him regardless? Does that make sense? I'm telling you what I'm saying is true. God is not dependent on instruments or people. He's dependent on you just to get with him and just worship him. And like what happened today, it happened. Why? Because people just decided to worship. So I just want to encourage you. You know, even for our youth and our crush, they're going to be here. I'm telling you right now as I'm speaking, I said this back to Pastor a while back. God's going to put even a young pastor in here because he's going to bring, I personally believe, a lot of young adults into this church to be here. What I'm saying, I'm just trying to encourage you, whatever area you're called to, don't give up just because you're not seeing people around you that used to be here. If God's called them to be here, they'll be back. If they're not, we pray for them and be glad where they are. But if they're not, for what we're doing and what the Lord wants to do, He's going to bring the numbers in. We see all these empty seats; they're going to be filled, but they'll be filled in His time, not our time.
Christianity and Christ is not, is not based on McDonald's. It's based on us trusting him and trusting his timing. Secondly, you three over here, I don't know you from Adam, right? I don't know where you come from. I don't know where you're going. But you know what? I was, what came to me was this, listen, wherever you're going, Christ is going with you. And he's already there. I don't know what you guys are up to, like I said. But I just want to put that encouragement into you right now. Like I said, I don't know who you are. But I'm telling you right now, Christ has gone before you. When I looked at the three of them, I thought, man, you look like you're in a bit of bewilderment in some ways. But I'm letting you, I just want to encourage you, right, that he's gone before you on your next step. I made a complaint to the Lord about this church. I said, it's not right, Lord. What's going on? About two, three years ago, I said, Lord, you asked me to pray stuff. But what's going to happen? And he said, does he not say, I will build my church and the gates of hell and Hades will not prevail against it, number one. Then on the 5th of March, I mean, I told pastor this about a week ago. The Lord said, every single department in this church I am restoring it okay every department from the children's ministry to hospitality all of it I'm restoring it okay from the ground up but I'm restoring it just be faithful just watch and see so I'm encouraged so that was the answer because I felt it but he said I'm doing it but I am doing it not you it's not about what you organize how you organize or what you don't I'm doing it in a way that I want to do it. Amen. Um, so yeah, this is what I saw earlier. Unless a seed falls to the ground, you know the scripture, unless it falls to the ground and dies, there's no, no chance at all. See, this is what happens, guys. We come up higher, and then everyone starts getting words. Yeah, but now this is this is what happens. This is what is in the DNA of this church to come up higher. And he says, "I will show you things that will happen in the future, so you should expect it." Every single worshiping, the amount of things that gets sung that are not for today, not for today, they're for tomorrow. And when you hit your tomorrow, it becomes your today. Morning, church. I just feel this is like a personal thing for somebody because, you know, sometimes we sit there and it's, I'm not feeling the word of the Lord for, um, you know, the church or anything like that. So I'm always about 
your individual walk as well. And um, I've had a rough week. The words are really powerful. And um, it's just been like mountains. It's been up and it's been down. And Friday was my last day at um, a job that I've been at for five years. And I know it's, it's time to move on. And God's got me. And it's the first time ever in my life that I've got nothing to go on to in September. No school, no nothing. So watch this space. But anyway, um, so with a really rough week, I sat this morning in prayer and I was a mess. So you heard me laughing and crying and everything else. And from the moment I walked in and heard what Antonia said, I just thought, you know, I'm just sitting in Jesus's hands. And I sat there this morning and like what David said, I said, I know you're not, you're not tangible anymore. But Jesus, I wish I could just get a hug. I just want a hug. Just a tangible hug. That's what I said to him. I just wish you could hug me. And then David talks about him already coming before me to this church. And he's walking up and down. So whether my name was mentioned or not, I just claimed it. Because he doesn't leave any one of us out, no matter how small, how great we are, how insignificant we are. Okay? And I just want to say that I, whether my name was called or not, I just took it. And that's why in my flesh I felt really embarrassed after because I don't laugh in the spirit. And I just laughed because Jesus was hugging me this morning. So he may not have hugged me in my bedroom, but he hugged me here today. And I'm not sure if you're Philip. Who's Philip? From um, Philip. Hi, Philip. So, um, Philippa asked me to say hello to you as well and just I really agree with that word what Tommy spoke that God's going to do something really new so without me having to say that but God bless you both um yeah so um I just want to say be encouraged sometimes we feel left out we haven't got the great message for the church and we're not deadgies and that but you know we're all individual <laughs> great deadgies <laughs> but you know I'm just saying about the church but we have words and so Deji's word is for all of us. My word might be for one particular person or two people. It doesn't really matter. We are not insignificant in this church. We really are not. And so we shouldn't take our place lightly. So I'm going to go off with my hug and take my hug into the week. God bless you all. Out of many, one voice. Um, I wanted to share that... Um that I, I also saw it um, maybe like a year ago, two years ago um, during the pandemic and I, I saw the worship team in like a green room and um, musicians for days <laughs> and, and David I saw you and um, I saw a wall um, where the musicians were, where the people were, um, and there were hundreds of hundreds of young people, and um, and I saw some people um, who I believe that they will also come back as well. Um, interesting you know a few weeks ago well about two months ago I 
in jest, I mentioned about the worship pastor sending out teams to different churches from here. Three days later, I got a message from someone on Facebook. A worship pastor I'd met four years ago, maybe. Never spoken to them since. Um, but they messaged me and they were like, um, I think she's going on maternity leave. She was like, hey, do you have anyone that you can send to our church? I was like, God, you're really funny, you know. But that's what we're going to do. Trust me, I've now, having prayed into it, I've seen it. We will send out teams to build a worship culture. And this is the phrase he's given me right, about this team and about this church. It's about cultivating encounters. It's not about cutting records. We'll do that at some point. I thought this year was going to be that year, but this is the way it's turned out. Maybe not. Cultivate an encounter. And we're going to start depositing worship teams around the country, maybe around the globe, six, six months, three months, whatever, and they'll go in and establish a culture where encounter can be fostered and the return home to be watered here. So get used to seeing fluctuating teams. Get used to maybe seeing someone and then maybe not seeing them for a while because they're about the Lord's business. I think we've just got one more. Just quickly and then I'll give it to Pastor. Uh, as David was speaking earlier, uh, this scripture came up and it, it just keeps coming up in my spirit. Psalm 138, uh, verse 6 and verse 8. And it says, For though the Lord is high, yet he has respect to the lowly. Bring them into fellowship with him. But the proud and haughty he knows and recognises only at a distance. And I just thought about the fact that God is so, so, so high. But he has respect to those who humble themselves and who are humbled. And um, the all-seeing God who knows everyone, you know, if you're proud and haughty, he, he can't even recognise you. You know, and it just really struck me that as we're being stripped away, as Tom, Tommy says... Um, and even in our personal lives, what David was talking about, recognizing God, as we humble ourselves and as we walk in humility and as we're lowly, he, he comes near to us and he, he can recognize us even more and we can recognize him even more. Um, and then in verse 8, it says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy and loving kindness, O Lord, endure forever. Forsake not the works of your own hands. And, you know, when I think of that word, perfect it sometimes it takes a while you know to perfect something um but it says forsake not the work of your own hands and he won't forsake the work of his hands in what he's done in his church and um, he will be faithful to complete it amen amen i've got 15 <laughs> i have 15 uh, message is going through my heart right now but the scriptures that talk about how a little with God is much you know about how just a little bit with God is far more than anybody could ever comprehend um, but yeah but you know what all this morning David sharing and other people talk what I keep hearing is basically Ephesians 6 15 it's part of the armor of God when he talks about Put on the helmet of salvation, but the amplified it says, uh, you know, what is it says what is produced by the true gospel of Jesus Christ is firm-footed stability. That's what it says. What is produced by the gospel of Jesus Christ 
is having your feet shod with preparation called the butter. It says it's the firm-footed stability. And that's what Christians who wind up with his fourth stage, when you begin to have some understanding, really, insight, What's, what's happening is you're finding a firm footing, finally, where you're not that, you're just not moved. I, you know, 11 days ago, it really hurt me. We all know about Bethel Church in Reading. In the last seven years, documented there have been more healing miracles there than any other churches that we know of in the world. I mean, you know, Bill, they actually had to create a team. I don't remember. I, th- I know it was four at one time. I don't know how many now. To just document the healings that happen every week. Fourth stage cancers, blind eyes, brain tumors, cripples. I don't care. You know, whatever it is. Healing after healing after healing after healing. And, of course, most of it all, as it were, begun by, you know, the faith of Bill Johnson. And, you know, as the father of the movement and what have you, all because of his faith in God. And so many of these miracles, you know, happened at his hand, as it were, you know, his faith in Christ, you know, and then to have his own wife die 11 days ago, Benny, from a long fight with cancer. And uh, I tried to, you know, it just hurt me so deep because, I mean, they actually have journals of, you know, I'm talking about thousands of people, thousands, with medical confirmation of the healings. And his own wife gets attacked with this cancer. And I guarantee you, there were hundreds of thousands of people praying. And she's gone home. And I thought about, well, everybody thought about what was Bill's response going to be, you know. Firm for the stability. I haven't listened to the whole sermon. He's, he's taught three days after Benny's death. He preached. And there's some excerpts on Facebook and what have you. But um, as far as worship, one of the things he said was this. I'm not, I can't say it word for word, but it's this truth that we've heard before. He said, listen, on this side of heaven, this is the only place we'll ever have the opportunity and the privilege of worshiping God in times of trouble. We'll never, ever, once we get to heaven, ever have to worship God in a time of trouble because there'll be no more trouble. So to be able to worship God and have the awareness and the firm foot of stability to worship Him in the midst of... I mean, think... You've heard me say this so many times. Dad Hagen taught me this you know, when he taught this message, don't ask why. You've heard me say many times, you know, if you keep asking why about some things, why can be a trap. The firm-footed stability that's produced by the gospel of Jesus Christ where you literally I was talking to Bola at the beginning of the service, and I said this the last time I was here, I think. Where you suddenly are transformed truly in mind to this being 
this may be being one of the most important revelations that happens is when you realize that though we've been trained our entire life, our entire life, our entire life has been in the environment of this stuff. Walls, this, what we, this. And so we've grown up without even considering this being anything other than reality. You know what I mean? This is reality. But Moses beheld him who was invisible. You look at somebody who's invisible for long enough and it becomes, it starts to become visible. And all of a sudden, you become aware that the realm of the spirit is billions of times. I don't care how many times I've said it, it has to happen to where you get to the place that the realm of the spirit is where you know that's my real reality. So this is here, but we all know the verses. I can see this, but anything that I can see is subject to change. Think what's going through Bill's heart during those first days. The whole family, everything. But God. God was so alive in the man, you know, that while, of course, the grief is real, the grief is deep and all of that. But like he simply said, you know, she is perfectly happy. Beyond, She's in rapture beyond comprehension. And again, she's in his future. And that's the firm footed stability that begins to create an understanding in us that I don't care what comes, hell or high water, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. I said, I'm going to trust God. See, Father, we, I can, I'm a mess, so I got to shut up. But I thank you so much, Father, for this morning and so many things that transpired in this room. And like I said at the beginning, Father, we, we simply are concerned with truth and your truth. And we just say, grant us and give us more and more of it. Continue to open the ears of our life, our spirit. Continue to open up the eyes of our heart that we might see. And in Jesus' name, we will obey. And without the issue of time, time is hard for some people, and I understand. But I thank you that the entire church is going to learn and begin to eat the fruit of lingering with you. In Jesus' name. So I speak life and blessing to our people. I said I speak true life and blessing to everybody in this room. To everybody in this room. Be blessed in the name of the Holy One that you and I serve. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Be empowered. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Deji's going to minister next week, so pray for him as well, okay? God bless you. Look to your neighbor and say you're blessed of God. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. 
For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 